For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. Hurts, eating, first down, and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered. Co-host Connor Miles here with my co-host, as always, Ed Crass. Ed, now it's the time of the year where the 53-man roster is going to take form. The preseason's finally over. It's only three weeks this time. Uh, and then they get a bye week, which I think is actually incredibly crucial uh, in football now. I'm a big fan of this new setup for the preseason, getting these guys a, a, a week of rest before they start the regular season. I think it's, I mean, pretty much is like two bye weeks finally. And I think these, what these guys really wanted, that's what the NFLPA fought for. Um, I'm interested to see how it affects a team like the Eagles, who, yes, they do have a new head coach. Yes, they still have a, technically a first year starting quarterback. Everything's all new in Philadelphia. But uh, I think this time off is very crucial for them because this has been the, one of the most injured teams over the last couple of years. And hats off to Nick Sirianni because his first big win with the Philadelphia Eagles is he's leaving training camp and preseason unscathed when it comes to his starters. That is not something we've been accustomed to with Doug Peterson. There's always one big injury during camp that, you know, shakes up the whole entire season, like Brandon Brooks, Andre Dillard, uh, wide receiver injuries, so on and so forth. This team always seems like it has a major injury that really shakes up the season and has to make him go to a plan B rather than stick with plan A. But that's not happening right now. Nick Sirianni gets to go into a season with his plan A, uh, no major injuries. Hats off to him. Huge first win for his first training camp, his first uh, NFL preseason as a head coach. I had admired it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I'm. to be honest, I'm not sure how much of that is Sirianni as it is, you know, Ted Rath or conditioning. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Guru, and, and Howie Roseman, to be honest. I mean, you know, I asked uh, Nick about that, and he said that everything's done in a coordinated effort. They all talk about it. So, you know, this isn't just Sirianni. This is Roseman and Rath as well. And, you know, I, I think, listen, and Brandon Graham said it, when you're as injured as this team has been the last couple of years, why not try a different approach? So this is the approach they're, they're trying. I mean, we've seen throughout the preseason, these games, a lot of these teams play uh, their starters. You know, the Chiefs did it with Mahomes. He played a half. Josh Allen for the Bills played a half. And, uh, you know, the Eagles just chose not to take that approach. And, and you hope that it pays dividends. They have two weeks now to like you said, this bye week, it is kind of like a bye week. And, and you hope that, um, you know, they can get some good work in this week and then next week in preparation for the Falcons and get ready to open the season. But, you know, uh, yeah, it's good on one hand that they aren't as injured as they normally were coming out of camp. But on the other hand is, are, are they going to be ready uh, to, to, to play in concert with one another in unison and with cohesion uh, or, or is it going to be kind of like a preseason game when they open the season? You know, now the Falcons, 
you know, I watched a little bit of their game last night and on Sunday night, and, you know, they don't look that good either. Um, so, you know, this is certainly a game the Eagles can win. Now, the Falcons didn't play Matt Ryan. Um, you know, so this could be like kind of an extension of the preseason between these two teams. We're probably going to see some rust. We're probably going to see some some times where, you know, you wish they would have had a preseason. But if it's an exchange for keeping a team healthy, then that's great. I mean, look at J.K. Dobbins for the Ravens. You know, he's out for the year with an ACL injury. With that, you know, how would Eagles fans have felt had they played Miles Sanders against the Jets and Jet and, and Sanders tore his ACL? You know, people would be up in arms. Why are we playing our starters? So, uh, you know, really, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, I wish they would have had a little more time together to work in actual preseason games. I know that practices. You know, they got a lot of good work in, and, and Sirianni says he treats those like a game. But I was at three of the four of those joint practices, and, you know, they're, they're, they're practices, and they go hard against each other, but they're still not game conditions. I would have liked to have seen a little more uh, uh, playing time for their starters in these preseason games. I would have, too. I mean, I think all of us, any anybody that has rooted ninjas for the Eagles or writes about the Eagles or has covers the team would – like for Jalen Hurts to have some playing time in the preseason to get more acclimated with this offense and this and this team and be being the starter. Uh, and he would have that second game if it wasn't for the stomach right. ache and they're being precautious about that. You know, during these times of COVID, I, I think he would have played if it wasn't for all the stuff that's going on. Uh, the first sign of stomach ache and everything like that, you know, you have to be cautious during these times. And I think the Eagles were super cautious, especially given the preseason game. But he would have played. Yeah. Uh, so, funny, you know, when he when he talked about it, he said, you know, he probably if it was a regular season game, he wouldn't even have said anything, you know, because he was the one right. that brought it to, you know, the trainer's attention that he had a stomach ache. And and that's when they shut him down. But, you know, he said if it was a regular season, he just would have played on. But he wanted to be cautious himself and make sure it got checked out and there wasn't something more serious. But you're right. You never know. And the way things are today with COVID and whatnot, that maybe that's why he was ultra concerned Hertz was and alerted the training staff to it. Well, not only that, I, I, it actually brings up a good point. I wonder if even in during the regular season, if he was to make a comment like that, how the training staff would react. I mean, during these times you're still worried, especially if he's the starting quarterback. I mean, right. I think the Eagles would sacrifice one game to be, make sure that he's okay. Uh, yeah. So it is going to be interesting with, with these times right now. But again, like you said, like he like he alluded to, I don't know if he would even say anything if it was a regular season game. But moving on, though, seems like I know you said you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But it seems like you're on the side of the coin where you would have liked to see starters out there. Well, I'm old school, Connor. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm definitely That's old fine. school. Yeah, I would like to have seen a little bit more, especially from the first team line. You know, Isaac Siamalu. Uh, missed a lot of the camp with a uh, hamstring injury. Now, you know, on the flip side of that, this line has played a lot of games together with the exception of Jordan Melata, who got a lot of time last year. But, you know, it's it's an experienced offensive line. So, you know, how much time do they really need? And that's probably another thing that factored into, you know, Roseman and Sirianni's decision not to play guys is, look, these guys have played a lot. Same with the defensive line. We didn't see – Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham or Javon Hargrave or Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat. We didn't see these guys play much either on the D-line. But, again, they've played a lot of snaps together. Uh, It's an experienced unit on both sides of the ball. And the guys that needed the work, guys like, you know, your backup O-lineman, Nate Herbig at center, Jack Driscoll at guard and tackle. He played some tackle against the Jets. You know, give these guys 
uh, a little bit more time to get some snaps together. Uh, and same with the defensive line. Mix in your rookies, Milton Williams and Marlon Tuatuapolu and, and uh, Ter- Teron Jackson. I mean, you know, mix these guys into the D-line. Get them some snaps. Let them get their feet wet because we know what we have in these veteran guys. So, you know, I can see that side of it too. But, again, I, I would like to see a little bit more uh, time from the starters uh, because if you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt, whether it's the last preseason game or the the, the season opener. Um, I, I guess the, the other side too is that they're fresher. You know, you hope that they're going to stay fresh. You know, they have fresh legs starting the season. They're not, they're not coming out of this withering training camp where, you know, they practice two, two and a half hours a day in 95 degree heat. You know, they're going to be fresher and you, and you hope that, you know, that, that, that makes a difference. And in Atlanta, of course, where they open, it's, it's going to be in a climate controlled environment more or less. Uh, so it won't be too hot. It won't be too cold. So you hope that, you know, their conditioning can hold up. And then the following week, your, your home opener against the 49ers, who knows what the weather will be like at that point, it could still be 90 degrees, you know, Indian summer. Um, and then you wonder how much rotation they're going to have in place for, you know, the guys that need to be rotated like your defensive line. So, yeah, I, I would like to see more time. But listen, I get it. I get what the Eagles have done here. And now we'll see if it works. Knock on wood for your Atlanta comment, because I was actually at the last Eagles Falcons game and I watched Deshaun and Alshon fall on the field during the pregame warmups. And then we, we never really heard from Deshaun again after that. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that turf there is awful that is definitely an injury plague turf uh mm. i that's the only concern i have about the eagles playing there is that that turf will get you hurt especially during pre-game warm-ups i saw it in person last time but i think to your point about the death playing a lot more i think that's a huge key point that we should hone in on because look at the starters on this team ed the best starters on this team are over the age of 30 darius slay lane johnson brandon brooks fletcher cox brandon graham if any of those guys go down the depth is going to be heavily tested because we lean on those positions so much. I mean, the Eagles, excuse me, lean on those positions so much. I, That's why I'm like, okay, I'm okay with the approach because I look at this offense coming in and, okay, you got me. Jalen Hurts is a new starting quarterback. The wide receiver unit is pretty much all new guys besides outside of Greg Ward. These guys are still trying to find their way in the NFL, sort of, you know, build roles in the NFL. But the, other than the tight ends, the offensive line, you know, you're not changing that much of the offense. It, Nick Sirianni coming in here with the Frank Reich influence is close to similar to what the offense looked like in 2017. I think it's going to be reminiscent of that, actually. So I don't think it's a huge, you're not asking the O line. This is nothing like I, I look at Jason Kelsey, I look at Brandon Brooks, I look at Lane Johnson, I look at the leaders on this team, I look at Goddard, I look at Ertz. I'm like, this is nothing. We're not going to do anything different than you guys haven't done before. We're just going to scheme better for it. That's about it. So, uh, yes, I'm confident in that area. But when people say, well, I would like to see, you know, Hertz build chemistry with the wide receivers. I can't argue with that because that's true. You know, this is going to take time. This passing attack is not going to look great the first couple weeks of the season. Maybe Atlanta makes it look great because Atlanta's secondary is very poor. But other than that, it's going to take time because chemistry is not something that you can just hone in on and just have it happen. Uh I know we all talk about Hurts playing with Devontae Smith at Alabama, but I mean, that was very minimal. And, and it's been years ago. I mean, you still have to reconnect. So when I look at this passing attack and I, I, I try to project it, I'm thinking, you know, I don't think we're going to see the, what this Eagles passing attack offense is really about until week six. 
You know, this is going to take time. They're going to have to iron things out. This is still a new system. This is still a new quarterback. Um, I just think when I look at the offensive line not playing, I look at Dallas Goddard and Zach Gertz not needing that much time, and I'm thinking, you know, these guys are going to pick up this offense just like that anyways. I'm not too worried. But when with these inexperienced, a wide receiver, you know, Miles Sanders did, did get some run. And I, I do think this system is going to be a little bit I – mean, I wrote about it, so I, I think it's going to be a vocal part of this offense. Um, but, I mean, I, I do think this is going to be more suited for him no matter what with the zone runs and everything like that and how balanced uh, Indianapolis was with running the ball. I think Miles Sanders is going to pick it up right away. But it was interesting to see that he got probably the most preseason play out of uh, the major starters on the offense. Is Miles Sanders actually really got that, that second week against New England. He really got some run. So – I, I just think I look at this team and I it's no matter what, they were gonna have to have a learning curve. Uh they're not gonna hit the ground running right away. This is gonna take time building this project. And I do believe it will be successful, but I do believe it, it chemistry takes time. And like you're saying about the offensive line, I still think that's gonna take time. You know, Jordan Malata isn't used to playing with Isaac Sayomalu week in and week out. You know, Sayomalu got banged up last year. Their left guard position was a revolving door at some points during the season. It, it's still going to take time for him to get adjusted on the whole entire offensive line. I think it's going to get adjusted for Jason Kelsey too to have you know Milada finally entrenched there. But I, I don't think that would take more time than the passing attack per se. So I mean, if like you said, damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's the only part of the preseason that I thought what would be needed is the passing offense building chemistry together. Uh, yes, it happens in these joint practices, but again, like you said, it's practice. Right. You know, the guys aren't going to give their full game effort in practice. That's that's unheard of. It's not that's that that's just ridiculous to do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't know if Eagles fans would be mad at that comment or if they're already expecting that or if they believe this passing offense will not miss a not miss a beat. I think that's silly. Um, these things take time. And I, I think it's going to take time no matter what, even if they did play in the preseason. So that's the only reason why I'm not harping on it. I think the major starters on this team are a little bit over the hill. Their death gets tested regularly because of that. Um, Milton Williams is going to play a huge role for the Eagles this year. Zach McPherson may have to step in for the Eagles this year. Um, Herbig may have to step in for the Eagles this year. Driscoll. So these guys need to be ready. And I thought this preseason, they got enough work to get ready. So that's why I thought was good about the preseason. That's why I thought it was good about not playing the starters because most of these guys, we know what we have in them. If they go down, we need their death to step up because the, this offensive line will go as far as Lane Johnson takes them. This passing secondary will be as good as Darius Slay is. If those guys go down, the depth's going to be heavily tested and they're going to be leaned on heavily. And Jack Driscoll and Zach McPherson or whoever else steps up at corner is going to be leaned on heavily. So these guys need to be ready. Yeah. And getting back to Miles Sanders, you know, he's going to, you know, he obviously he's a home run hitter, but, you know, he's going to have to do a better job catching the football. Um, no doubt about it. You know, we saw too many drops in camp. It's him. Um, he just yeah, fell off but, a cliff because I mean, it, rewind. I'm sorry to interrupt, but rewind yeah, to right. 2019. He was the Eagles' best vertical threat. Yeah, by far. He catches. He had 50 receptions out of the backfield. Um, lined up wide sometimes or in the slot. But yeah, I mean, listen, I love this kid. You know, you mentioned all the rookies and Kenny Gainwell. Uh, you know, he really was kind of spotlighted on the one drive they had in New York. Um had 47 yards between running and catching of a 78 yard drive. Uh, you know, that's on, that's a little less than half the yards. And, um, 
he's tough. He runs hard. He always seems to be falling forward. Uh, and Miles Sanders himself said he's got the best hands of anybody in that running back room. And I love that running back room. I think that's one of the strengths of this team, uh, you know, between Miles and Gainwell and Boston Scott and even a little bit of Jordan Howard if he makes the team. But, um, you know, I love that running back. And Kenny Gainwell, to me, is going to be uh, used very often this year. And I think you could see some formations. We saw a couple snaps with Sanders and Gainwell in the backfield together. Uh, we saw it with Gainwell and Scott. So, I mean, you know, you're going to see, and I think they, it's called the 21 speed personnel group. I think you're going to see that uh, more often than not. I mean, we saw a ton of wide receiver bubble screens in the preseason. Um, you know, it won't take long for teams to sniff that out and, and you know, shut it down. So, again, I just think, you know, we talk about the use of personnel, but I think, you know, what Nick Sirianni showed of his offense was just extremely limited. Um, and I think we'll see more diversity within the offensive play calling and within the scheme than we saw in the preseason. I mean, against the Jets, they must have ran, you know, a dozen of those wide receiver screens. So they're going to be a big screen team, but they're going to get, you know, the tight ends involved and the running backs involved. And we really only saw it a, a few times with the wide receivers. That was it. So, um, I think you're going to see more diversity in the offense, and that's where Gainwell, I think, is really going to come in and come into play here because he's going to be on the field a lot. I love the Gainwell hype picking up because I told you, man, I, I said it on this podcast. We're all focused on Devontae Smith, but Kenny Gainwell is going to be their most, the second most impactful rookie on this team by far. I think it's a it's a lock. It's easy to say that, and you know where I wrote about. I remember I wrote about it for SI that. He filled the exact need in the Eagles' backfield that they didn't have, and that's the receiving ability. Uh, even if Miles Sanders was to return to 2019 form as a receiver, that's still not as good as Kenny Gamewell. That's how good Kenny Gamewell is as a receiver. He's better as a receiver than he is a running back. Yeah. So this is going to be very electric. Nine times that role that he had in Indianapolis is filled here in Philadelphia with Kenny Gamewell, and I think that's what Nick Sirianni wanted right off the bat. Yeah, uh, I know you got him in the fifth round, but he, he still was... There was time. Kenny Gainwell started over Antonio Gibson at Memphis. Like, the, yeah. it's not a joke. Like, the, this kid has serious talent. I think when the NFL sees running backs those size, they always run. They always don't know what to do with them. They're scared. That's yeah. why he fell to the fifth round. Uh, that's why Darren Sproles fell to the fifth round. You know, it doesn't. Uh, Kenny Gainwell is going to be the next Darren Sproles, in my opinion. It's going to be such a huge receiving threat out of the backfield. The 21 sets are going to be amazing. Amazing, Ed. I'm telling you right now. And they did it in Indianapolis with Marlon Mack nine times and Jonathan Taylor nine times. It's going to be very effective. Well, very I think balanced Gain- offense this year. Yeah, I think Gainwell fell too because he didn't play last year. You know, he opted out for right. the COVID. So, you know, I think, you know, he kind of slipped through the cracks maybe a little bit. Maybe he was a little underdrafted. Maybe it could have made a case for him going in the third or fourth round, lasted to the fifth round. And, uh, you know, you're right. He's going to be, you know, he's, I think he's going to be a big asset. No, no question about it. And, and, you know, Boston Scott can catch too. It's just, you know, his role was really never used that w- much that way with the previous regime. I mean, they're going to use Boston Scott to catch the ball. We saw that 49 yard touchdown catch he caught in the flat. What a great movie made downfield to juke the defender off of him and then scoot down the sideline. I mean, you're, you're going to see Boston Scott too. These running backs, I'm telling you, these top three, Sanders, Scott, and Gainwell, they're going to be uh, impactful. They're going to be uh, used a lot. 
And we haven't seen a lot of it because of the preseason. And I think once the season begins, you're going to see more and more uh, these guys creating mismatch problems uh, out of the backfield. Oh, absolutely. It's such a balanced offense. It's going to go back to 2017 vibes. Mm-hmm. And that's a Frank Reich influence right there. You know, balancing the offense, having ever since he's been in Indianapolis, they've been have a stacked running back room. Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins. That's what you're doing in Philadelphia right now. That's what Nick Sirianni is incorporating in Philadelphia right now because I think Jordan Howard makes the team. I do. Too. I think the key four. Yeah, I think the key four. I, I, I think Howard makes the team. I'm not sure all four will be active on game day, but I think they'll keep uh, you know pretty good. I wouldn't even be surprised because I think they're going to have two tight ends active on game day. So I think that opens the door for the fourth running back. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I mean, that's again, that's yeah. a, that, this is that's just analyzing. We don't know. Yeah. But I. I'm excited for the, the running back room this year, absolutely. But moving on real quick, before we get into our 53-man roster projections, we got to talk about the trade for Gardner Minshew. Uh, Eagles bringing him in. I love that move. Huge fan of this move. Not only am I a fan of the move because Gardner Minshew is a baller. The Minshew mania was real. I live in Florida currently. And last year, I mean, not, excuse me, not last year, the year before in Jacksonville, that's all this the state could talk about was Minshew mania. Before Brady was a Buccaneer. Uh, and all the Florida teams are boring. The the Dolphins are tanking. Uh, the Bucks had Jameis Winston throwing 30 picks. The Jaguars had this little spark from Gardner Minshew, and that's what took over Florida and captivated Florida. Since then, he's fallen out of favor. You know, I would allude to the roster falling apart and the Jaguars, you know, having their, their site focused on Trevor Lawrence since he's been at Clemson. I think this guy's a baller. I don't think this guy's a franchise caliber quarterback anymore. I did think he was a starting caliber quarterback after his rookie season, but I think he's a fringe journeyman starting quarterback. Like, you know, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type, maybe for, for say, uh, I think he's going to play for multiple NFL teams, not just the Eagles. I think he's going to, and he's going to start many more games in this league, but I just don't think he's ever going to establish himself as a starting quarterback. But the reason why I love this move, Ed is because number one, it signals that Dave Caldwell has a lot of say in this personnel office. Um, now this is the third player, as you pointed off off air, because they brought in Michael Walker from the Jaguars. Hasn't worked out. He got injured. They brought in Josiah Scott from the Jaguars, who I think is making the team. That's how well he's played this pre. I think he's making the team. I think he's going to be backup nickel. They gave up an asset for him, too. I mean, not that they didn't give up an asset for him. They traded Jameson Houston for him, but they still gave up something for Josiah Scott. Now they gave up draft capital for Gardner Minshew, and that's another Jaguars player. So it's showing you right now that they like what Dave Caldwell is telling them. They might have found. I don't. I, we all thought that Andy White has been the Joe Douglas replacement because he's filled that role per se. But for the Joe Douglas type role, like the actual off the field presence that we actually all knew from when he was with the Eagles, might be. Might, it might be Dave Caldwell, guys. That might end up being Dave Caldwell. We'll see. Uh, but right now, how he's listening and he's making moves based off what Dave's telling him. But their other reason why I like this move, Ed, is because Gardner's better than Joe Flacco. And, and I think at some point in the season, if they have to turn to their backup quarterbacks as Jalen Hurts gets hurt, I think it's a quick decision. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that Joe Flacco won't be quarterback too, but at some point after the, that game, you're going to quickly turn to Gardner. I think that's what's going to be like. Uh, Joe's here because he's a Super Bowl MVP. He has the pedigree that the Eagles love to, for their quarterback to mentor their current quarterback. Uh, but Gardner's, Gardner's going to be here as, as the number two uh, next year too. And that's what's huge. Uh, if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out, Joe Flacco is not going to be retained. I don't know if Jalen Hurts will even be retained. He might be part of a trade package to get to, to get the new quarterback. Gardner's going to be here, Ed. 
he's on a two-year deal. So not only do you have your quarterback two next year, but he's also going to be entrenched in the system for another season. So that's why I think it's a huge move is no matter what, you you didn't just get a backer quarterback this year. You got one next year, and he's going to know the offense better than the, your new quarterbacks next year if you do move on from Jalen Hurts. Either way, you have an experienced veteran backup in this offense next year, and that's what's huge for them. And then he's it comes at a little cost. All right. He's still on his rookie contract, which is very affordable as a sixth-round pick. You know, he came – Came into the league in 2019, good friends with Andre Dillard out of Washington State. They played together there. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad or if it means anything at all, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I mean, so cost-effective, sure. He's, he's your guy going forward. Um, but, you know, the, the way the Eagles handle the quarterback, I mean, they're constantly looking to upgrade that position. And, and Gardner Minshew in the short term is certainly an upgrade over Nick Mullins. Um, you know, I'm not sure Mullins was fully healthy after the elbow surgery he had in the offseason. We talked to him once this summer, and he seemed to say he was. But, you know, of course, he's going to say that. But um, to me, his accuracy was a real problem, and, and they just couldn't proceed with him uh, on, on this roster. Um, so they went out and they brought in an experienced guy. You know, I, I think Minshew, when you look at his numbers, 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions in two seasons. He had the 7-13 and 13 record. But, you know, the Jaguars were a bad football team. Um, so you look at his numbers and you think, yeah, I, those are great numbers uh, for him. You know, now I know you, you know, you had the front row seat there in Florida. I talked to a couple Jaguar beat writers on Sunday after the deal went down. And, um, you know, they both used the same word, stinks. I mean, I... <laughs> You know, I don't think he stinks, but uh, I think he has a skill set that fits Nick Sirianni's system. You know, he's a mobile quarterback. He can keep plays alive, kind of like Jalen Hurts can do. Um, I don't know how his arm strength is. I, I never really uh, studied Minshew that that well, so I don't know how well he throws the ball. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, and he was unhappy in Jacksonville because he was not getting the first-team reps that – they gave to Trevor Lawrence or he was splitting them and he thought he should be getting more. You know, he's going to come in here and he's going to be QB three until he learns the terminology. I mean, Flacco played a fantastic camp. I thought he had a great month of, of practice. Uh, yeah. He looked horrible against the Patriots, but there could have been some factors there, uh, but he looked great against the jets in his one half of work. So I know it was the jets, but still, I think Flacco's got plenty left. Uh, I think in the, in the short term, if something were to happen to Hertz, and I think it would be Flacco until Minshew can kind of ground himself in this system. But, yeah, I think Minshew is someone that going forward in the long term, yeah, he projects as someone that can compete for the job next year. Um, maybe later in the season he's elevated the number two should, should he be needed. Um, but right now he's just going to come in, get his feet wet, learn the players, learn the system, learn the coaching staff. I and mean, he's got a lot of learning to do coming late in the process here. So, um, I'm not sure you can expect much of him, you know, in the first month or two of this season, if at all, depending again on Hertz. Um, but uh, right now, Flacco to me is the number two. Now, you know, that could change. Maybe the Eagles try to flip Flacco for a draft pick to, you know, some quarterback needy teams. Uh, you know, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what's up Howie Roseman's sleeve, um, but that could be a possibility that Joe Flacco has a little bit of value after playing well against the Jets. Uh, and he tries to trade him. I mean, there's no options off the table here, uh, w- you know, when it comes to the quarterback position with the Eagles. Um, I'd take an eighth-round pick for Flacco. Eighth round? Yeah. <laughs> First pick of the eighth round. Yeah, that'd be great. I They can't trade him, though, man, because I even think they trade him. They, I don't, they're I don't still think on, they, 
Well, even if yeah. even if there is some out of realm possibility, and the some team really loved Joe Flacco and wanted to trade for him, I think the Eagles still pay that three point five million though. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure how much that money is, you know, in the back of their heads or in their minds when they were to make if they were to make a deal for Flacco. You know, I mean, listen, Mullins right. was here, Mullins wasn't healthy, he was cut. I don't think any team's going to pick him up. So, yeah, if you trade Flacco and you're able to get, you know, something for him, a pick. I mean, they traded a conditional sixth for Minshew next year, which can become a fifth uh, if they were to uh, if. Uh, Minshew was to play, you know, 50% of the snaps in three games um, total. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's not bad. I mean, but the Eagles could look to recoup that by trading Flacco, you know, maybe get a fifth or a sixth, and then maybe you bring Mullins back and, you know, put him on, you know, not the practice squad or maybe the practice squad, but I think you need three quarterbacks. I really do. I don't think you can go into a 17 game NFL season with just two quarterbacks on your roster. Um, it's too risky, Correct. you know, it's just Correct. way too and risky. During COVID. And during COVID. Right, and COVID. So you need three. I think they have their three right now. I don't think they trade Flacco either, but again, it's Howie Roseman we're talking about. Uh, and if there's a deal out there to be made where he feels he can get something and then go find another third quarterback, he could do it. Uh, but right now they have their three. I think the way it slots is Hurts one, Flacco two, and Minshew three until further mm-hmm. notice. Absolutely. The thing I will disagree with you about, though, is one thing. Gardner Minshew actually kind of handled this Trevor Lawrence thing pretty well. Um, it was funny. He went on Chris Long's Greenlight Pod of Chart Network, and he said, uh, I haven't taken a number two since the quarterback competition has started because I can't be the second option. I, I think a guy's just a competitor, man. You know, uh, Nobody expected anything out of him coming out of Washington State. And in fact, Andre Dillard, I'm telling you right now, you should give him your first round pick salary because he made you look better than you actually were. And it fooled the Eagles enough to draft you in the first round. <laughs> but the, I'm just playing. That's a, uh, that's a good Gardner, but for Gardner Minshew, though, I, I thought he handled the whole chart. Everything going on in Jacksonville, he's handled it with nothing but class. Uh, I don't I'm not worried about that part. For him coming in Philadelphia, is does he want to be a starter in this league? Absolutely. If any player on this Philadelphia Eagles team that is not a starter does not want to be a starter, they should get rid of him. They should get him off the team. Yeah. They don't need players like that because they have so many holes on this team that anybody can win a job at any given time. Gardner Minshew can win the Eagles' job at any given time if Jalen Hurts flounders. Say if Gardner Minshew goes in there this season, what if he plays really well? And he took four games with Jalen Hurts to you know have show some potential for the Eagles to think, hold up, let's see what we got. I don't think that's going to happen with Gardner Minshew per se, but I mean, anything is possible. I watched AJ Philly come in for this team as a rookie and win playoff games. So like, anything for this team is possible. Sure. Uh, I would like that to happen for Gardner Minshew because then you can flip him for a second round pick like you did with AJ Philly. But I, I, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good take, Connor. I like any, it. Anyways, that's getting a little crazy now, but yeah, I just like the fact that no matter what the head coaches of this team, no matter who they bring in, they always care about the quarterback position and feeding the quarterback pipeline. I know everybody makes fun of it now because of how Roseman terminated the quarterback factory, but in a league with that becoming the most important position, keep filling that pipeline until you find the right guy. And even when you find the right guy, keep filling that pipeline because they'll trade for that guy behind them. So yeah. I like the philosophy. Giving up a six-round pick because I don't think it's going to become a fifth is nothing. You gave up, you gave up what, the round he was drafted in. So that's fine with me. If you go into this draft 2020, 
two NFL draft and your six-round pick is Gardner Mishu, that's cool with me, man. That's absolutely fine because he's your backup. He's a solid backup and a one games for you as a game manager type role. Right. He's got he has NFL experience. You know, he's played 23 games, 20 starts. So a couple yeah. good offenses too. I mean, Mike Leach's offense at Washington State's yeah. no joke. Uh Doug Marone has, you know, not the best head coach in the NFL, but he's had some great NFL pedigree. He's been with the Saints, been with the Bills, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh look, Garner's gonna win games for this team, but I think this is the ideal backup for Jalen. I thought another good point you brought up was the mobility. Uh, he fits Jalen as a backup more. When you when you go from Jalen to Joe Flacco, you have to completely change his offense on a dime. Uh, when you go from Jalen to Gardner Minshew, you don't. So that's the huge difference, I think. And I think that's important. I think that's what Nick Sirianni is going to come down to if there was something to happen to Jalen Hurts and this team is looking to make a run to the playoffs. Yeah, I thought you saw Flacco make more of a concerted effort to use his legs against the Jets, something he didn't do against the Patriots. So, yeah, that's that's something that, you know, Sirianni wants to see his quarterbacks do is, now, is you know, get out of that pocket, extend plays, move. The, even if you're not fast, at least get out of the pocket and keep plays alive. And, you know, we saw Flacco do a good job of that, you know, uh, throwing on the move, made that touchdown throw to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside after rolling to his, uh, I guess it was to his right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely a prerequisite, but you know, Flacco's not, you know, he's not known for his, his mobility like Minshew and Hertz are. Um, so yeah, going forward, that's certainly something that plays in Minshew's favor if he wants to leapfrog Flacco, but it's going to take a little time, I think, for him to kind of come in and, and learn the way around the Eagles system. Oh, absolutely. For yeah. sure. I think he's gonna be quarterback three for a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, all right. I mean, you know, they do have the quarterback three active sometimes. Oh, well, that's going to be an interesting approach because Doug Peterson some weeks would have him inactive and then some weeks would have Nate Sudfield active. I'm interested to see how Nick Sirianni goes about that this year. That'll be something yeah. to keep an eye on. Yeah. All right. Let's get into your 53-man roster projections, though. Uh, very interesting takes on your end uh, for SI.com slash NFL slash Eagles. You and John McMullen hit a bunch of 53-man roster projections, and I thought both were very interesting, some diverse, some different. Uh, let's get into yours, though. Let's talk about it, man. What do you think the Eagles are going to be doing? What, what's what do you think? About, let's let's talk about the wide receiver room. Let's start off right there. Uh, where do you have the Eagles finishing there? For those who didn't read your article, well, I had five. I have them keeping <clears throat> five receivers, you know, and we know the big three, right, with Smith, Rager, and and uh, Watkins, and then Greg Ward, the veteran. I, I don't see them parting ways with him. I think he's a steady uh, receiver. Um, kind of like a Jason Avant type in the slot. The guy's going to catch stuff, although we had a bad drop against the Jets wide open. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the uh, outlier as far as Ward's dependability goes. So I have them keeping those four. And then I also have them keeping uh, Ortega Whiteside um, over Fulgham and Hightower. Uh, I just, you know, uh, he did have the nice game against the Jets, and I think that gives Howie a little bit more um, – I don't know. It gives him justification to say, well, we're keeping him because he had a good game against the Jets. But I also think Howie doesn't want to cut him because he was a second round pick only three you years say ago. Howie. Um, you say Howie. I say Jeffrey Lurie. Well, it could be Lurie. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, you know. They think in both. They think in unison, anyways. But I, I mean, that's Jeffrey Lurie's yeah. guy. Yeah. So, you know, I just think that, you know, the fifth, the fifth receiver is going to be Ortega Whiteside. And I really don't think they're going to keep more than. And five, now they could. There are different ways they could go about building this roster. Uh, I didn't want to overthink it. Um, you know, they could keep nine offensive linemen. They could put Dickerson on Pup. I mean, and then that opens up another spot to keep six. And then, I, you know, between Fulgham and Hightower, you probably go Fulgham. Um, and you try to get Hightower to the practice squad. Um, 
But, you know, just for the sake of not overthinking it, I went five receivers and my thinking and keeping Ortega Whiteside as that fifth pick simply was because I don't think Roseman slash Lurie are going to want to cut someone they took in the second round just three years ago. Yeah, I think he's making the team too now. Uh, It's not even just based off that Jets game. He's had a solid camp, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, but he has had a solid camp his first two years. And I bought it. Oh, I know that, yeah. But, I mean, I I think it matters with – this new offense having a solid camp though. And this new coaching staff. I I think when the season began the last couple of years, he just kind of became invisible. I mean, I know they played him a little bit, but they didn't really make any conscious effort to get him involved. And, you know, I think if he plays, I think this staff will find a way to try to, you know, get him a target or two, get him a catch, get his hands on the ball. Uh, And if he doesn't catch it, then, you know, you're probably going to have a couple guys sitting there on your practice squad, maybe Mark and Michelle who, was one of Sunday's uh, five cuts, which I was a little surprised at because I think when you make these cuts of these guys early in the process, they're not ones they want to bring to the practice squad. I'm not sure I'm right about that, but like an Elijah Holyfield was cut. Um, you know, I think if you get cut early, I don't think that bodes well for your chances to come back, but I might, I might be wrong about that. But Michelle was certainly a guy that I thought represented himself well. But uh, again, he's just caught up in a numbers game here. Uh, he he uh, he's obviously not making the team, but if Ortega Whiteside struggles, they've certainly had some receivers come through camp that can help them if they're unclaimed or if they're on the practice squad. If Ortega Whiteside proves that he can't catch the ball, even when the coaches do try to get him involved, I do think he makes the team. Well, I think they keep six rod receivers though, and I do think Fogel makes them still. I think he's falling out of favor. He's in the doghouse right now currently, but uh, I do think you know. What he showed last year is enough for them to to think we need to give this. If they're going to give, if they're thinking is to give JJ Arcega Whiteside a second chance, I think they should do the same for Travis Fogelman. And yeah, my thinking or, for that, Arcega Whiteside, Arcega Whiteside, though, excuse me, was a draft pick. You know, a highly regarded right. draft pick. And well, Fogelman wasn't picked by them. You know, he was a pick mm-hmm. of the Lions and was brought in. So you know, he doesn't have that. You know, that commitment level. You know, if you're going to give someone a second chance, I would think it would be more Ortega Whiteside than it would be Fulgham because Ortega Whiteside is technically there. So they brought him in. Agreed. But Fulgham's also showed you more. Ortega Whiteside showed you nothing. That's that's what's hard. That's what's hard here. I think, you know, even if Fulgham's tendencies are starting to show, I, I, you would think you want more time with that still just to iron it out. I don't know. It's it won't, I will not be shocked if he's cut though. I'll just say that right now. To be yeah. the last preseason game and you're being and you're playing special team snaps, uh, that looks bad. Like that does look bad. So I and again, he's been cut by the Lions, he's been cut by the Packers. This won't be something new for him. Yeah. And he he might have been a player that just caught lightning in a bottle. It happens. But again, that's that that was 500 something yards. He was yeah. making catches over Marcus Peters and uh, Mar, uh, Marlon Humphreys. Yeah. Marlon Humphreys. Yeah. Sorry. Like you have to see what's in there, even if you never starts for you again. You have to see, like you have to keep going. I, I don't think this, uh, a couple weeks of training camp and a, and a preseason is enough to indication to think that he's that he's done, that he's chalk. Like I don't think that's enough. So that's why I keep him. But I, I when I keep him and I keep our our think of whites, so I don't I don't think that's a bad thing because look at all your receivers that you're keeping so far. They're all small guys. If you want to keep two big body receivers, go ahead. That's fine because all your starting receivers are small body guys. You know, I, I don't think it's a problem to keep both those guys. I don't think one or the other has to make it. I think both can make it. 
but uh, they would still be at the bottom of your deck chart right now. Yeah. Even if so. So we'll see. But I, I agree with you on though. I, I do think this team is going to have some kind of commitment to Ortega Whiteside, and I won't be surprised if he makes the team. Mm-hmm. But what about corner though? I, mean, I, I don't think I don't think the fourth. I don't want to. I don't know. If I want to say the fourth, but I don't think the. I don't think the the bottom of the depth chart corner wise is on this team right now. Yeah, I tell you that to me is still a real big concern. This cornerback position after Slay and Nelson, you have a rookie. Um, you know, and you could put Maddox on the outside in a pinch, I guess, and then maybe keep Scott and put him in at nickel. Um, but yeah, I think that outside corner spot needs to be looked at pretty hard. Um on the waiver wire, see what's out there. Maybe even a trade. I don't know. Um, again, I, I don't know how, if they're going to make a trade, but I could see them certainly bringing in a, a waiver type of player that's released. Um, because after, you know, Slay, Nelson and McPherson, you have Craig James, who's very good on special teams. I thought he played pretty decent in camp some days that he, you know, he showed up pretty well on the outside, but um, I think he could certainly stand to add some depth there. Um, I'm not sure they will. Uh, but after that, uh, you know, Josiah Scott, I guess, is, you know, he's played mostly the nickel. He did play outside for a snap or two against the Jets, and they used him to, to kind of blitz off the edge. He didn't get home. Um, but, you know, after those guys, I'm not sure. I did. I think Mike Jaquette probably goes to the practice squad. I mean, he was <laughs> – he had his fingerprints all over that game in you know in New York with you know scoot you know forcing a great fumble with a great strip i mean he did exactly what this team's been working on throughout camp yanking the ball loose scooping it up and scoring you know he could have gone out of bounds the game would have been over at that point and we've never would have seen that Hail Mary pass um, but he gave up a fourth and two or a fourth and goal completion from the two yard line in the first quarter. Um, so it's been good and bad for Jaquette. And we saw that all camp long, you know, it's kind of an up and down ride with him. And, you know, my projection has him on the practice squad, them cutting him um, and getting him to the practice squad. But then after those guys, there, there just didn't seem to be a whole lot that showed up in, in training camp. Kayvon Seymour, maybe, you know, he had an interception against the Jets. Uh, but again, I don't think they're going to keep him. I think he's more practice squad candidate. Yeah, I don't think the bottom of the Detroit corner is on this team yeah. right now. I think they're going to scour yeah. the waiver wire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, which, again, you look at whoever Minnesota is going to cut, you look at whoever Indianapolis is going to cut. Uh, Pierre DeSera is out there now who has experience with Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. You know, And then you're talking about trades. I think probably the most ideal trade candidate right now on top of my mind is C.J. Henderson of the Jaguars, who was drafted by Dave Caldwell. Yeah. Uh, What's it going to take to get him, though? You know, it's like, okay – is it worth it? I don't know. Maybe. I, I I don't know how sold the Jaguars are currently on him right now. I mean, they had they gave Shaquille yeah. Griffin huge money in free agency. They drafted Tyson Campbell, and they like Sidney Jones over there, too. And they yeah. have Trey Herndon. So, I don't know. I, I don't think it's impossible to get a C.J. Henderson, but I don't know if the Eagles are making that move right now. I don't know if the Eagles are looking to give up that type of capital unless it's a player-for-player player swap. So, I mean, unless Jacksonville says, we really want Ertz. That badly, they will get C.J. Henderson. I don't, I don't think that happens for Philadelphia. But, you know, Kevin King, maybe Green Bay listens. Uh, they have Shannon Sullivan. They drafted Eric Stokes, who's looked good this preseason. Uh, they have, obviously, J.R. Alexander. Maybe, you know, Kevin King's expandable in Green Bay. That'd be something the Eagles might be interested in. Long corner for uh, Jonathan Gann to work with. We'll see. Uh, I, I just don't think – I don't know if those are the moves. I think it's going to be a waiver wire pickup, per se. But uh, 
So I just don't think the the bottom of the dead chart corner wise is out there. Right. But any more just to end it off? Any more surprises on your on your predictions or anything that you think fan, will throw fans for in for a loop that they need to go check out your article right now after they hear this episode? Well, I, I also I'll just say one of the hardest cuts I had to make was on the offensive line. I you know I kind of came down for me between LaRaven Clark, uh, who's healthy now after the injury he had had last year in Indianapolis. Um, versus Brett Toth, who I, I think Brett Toth's an NFL lineman um, for sure. So I'm not sure if you get Toth to the practice squad or not before another team claims him. You know, he the Eagles cut him a few years ago when he came out of uh, Army, um, and then the Cardinals picked him up, uh, and he got some time with them, I believe, and then the Cardinals cut him and the Eagles grabbed him again. So, But I think he can play in this league. But I ended up keeping Clark just for the experience that uh, he has. He's made, you know, a lot of starts in this league. He's got familiarity with uh, Sirianni and, and uh, Gannon from, you know, being in Indianapolis. So I, I went with Clark, but, you know, I could see them keeping Toth over Clark and, you know, Dickerson, I think they'll keep, I don't think they want to put him on any kind of list right now. They don't want to shut him down for the season. And, and maybe another surprise I had was them keeping Tyree Jackson at tight end on my 53 uh, and cutting Richard Rogers, uh, the veteran, and then maybe bringing Rogers back after they put uh, Jackson on the IR. But I think they want to keep Jackson on the active roster um, or, you know, make the 53 anyway before you put him on uh, injured reserve. Because if you put you a guy on to. injured reserve before the 53, they're done for the season. Okay. And that means they can't be around the facility with the team. I think they want to keep Jackson in house, let him watch the offense, learn the offense, sit in the meeting rooms while he's rehabbing, uh, because he did show a lot this summer. Um, and it's interesting because it's a two month rehab and that could coincide with the trade deadline where if the Eagles aren't performing like, you know, Roseman and company thought, then maybe they try to trade Zach Ertz at the trade deadline. And then you hear you have Tyree Jackson ready to step in and, and start getting some playing time later in the season. So I, I think they'll keep him on the 53, try to get Jack Stoll, the other tight end who had a pretty good camp to the practice squad and they'll cut Rogers and maybe try to get Rogers back. Um, should someone not claim him at another team. So that's kind of a, maybe a bit of a surprise to keep Jackson on this 53. Um, you know, Rodney McLeod's going to have to stay on the 53 before you do whatever you're going to do with him. You know, the short-term IR rules now, you only have to miss three games before you can return, and you can bring back as many players off IR as you want this year. Uh, that's a little bit of a change in the rules. Um, so he's going to have to make the roster – Safety was another position where I struggled with between uh, Andrew Adams and Elijah Riley. Uh, I thought Riley had a really good camp, kind of got hurt, uh, you know, against the Jets in the in the uh, joint practices. Uh, but that's another position to watch. I have a I have Riley making it and Andrew Adams not making it. Um, so you know, those are kind of my surprises, I guess you could say. And then the linebacker position was surprisingly difficult. You know, Sean Bradley, I, I thought played pretty well against the Jets, but you know, I don't think he played well against the Patriots or the Steelers. Um, I initially had him on my practice squad uh, and keeping Patrick Johnson, but I ended up cutting the rookie Johnson and trying to get him to the practice squad and keeping Bradley. But that's another spot that could go either way, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it really can. But I like that point about Tyree Jackson. I think that's that's a really great point. You know, uh, I don't, you know, if the Eagles obviously don't want him to be a dumb for the season, I don't think either. No, uh, I don't either. 
I don't want the, they're not going subject, to subject him to waivers either. Uh, oh no, they're not going to cut him. I mean, if they put him on IR, he's still their property. But the right. downside to that is, is he doesn't, he can't play the entire season. He can't practice with the team at such, you know, or sit in the meeting rooms while he's rehabbing, you know, which when you're a guy trying to convert from quarterback to tight end, you could use all the help you can get. And, right. you know, I, they're going to keep him somehow, whether, whether they're going to IR him before the 53 man roster comes in or whether they'll keep him on the 53 and then put him on IR. Um, they're not getting rid of him. I mean, he showed too much talent, too much ability uh, to, to just subject him to any kind of waivers. Well, the, the, the point to Ertz I thought was amazing. That, that's great. Cause if they're not at the point where they expect to be and they trade Ertz, you have to play Tyree Jackson. You have to yeah. give him that playing time. That's it's a wash season at this point. You got to get the young guys in and uh, develop them some more because they're going to lean on them following the rebuild. I mean, they're following the retool again uh, yeah. going in 2023. So I agree. I mean, 2022. I agree with you completely, though. That That's a great point there. But again, you can read Ed and John's 53 man roster projections, si.com slash NFL slash Eagles for up to date news on the Philadelphia Eagles and their 53 man roster projections. We're going to wrap it up here. Again, we're going to be back. You know, football's back. We're in the move with it now. we got a bye week for the preseason, so we'll give you some content real quick, and then we're going to do the pregame shows, the postgame shows. Giovanni's going to be doing his own little streams before the games on his Twitch channel. Uh, we're going to be doing nothing but nonstop content from Eagles Unfiltered, getting ready for this football season that starts only two weeks away. Yeah, let's go, let's finally. Can't we're wait. finally ready. Can't wait for football. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you all for tuning in. Again, si.com slash NFL slash Eagles for your up-to-date news on the Philadelphia Eagles. Thanks, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.